You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Finn Sports Football Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony John Deletti Jr. If this is your first time here on the podcast, welcome. Glad to have you here. If it's not your first time, welcome back. And today is free agency part three. Now, originally, I planned on this episode being more so something I would create before free agency began. Um, however, because free agency technically doesn't even start till tomorrow, Yet, you know, it technically really started yesterday. Today's podcast episode is more so going to be kind of a reaction to the players that we have signed so far and more so a look ahead to the players that are still available and who I think the Dolphins should still go out and try to acquire or players on the team that we should still release. So as I said, guys, free agency really started... um, It really started yesterday, which was Monday the 14th, even though technically free agency, nothing is official until tomorrow. Um, Free agency is underway and the Dolphins have made um, a good amount of moves, not like a crazy amount, but a a good amount of moves so far. And so with that, uh, let's first talk about players that the Dolphins have signed, whether it's on their own team or other teams. So, uh, Originally, we found out last week that the Dolphins had placed a a tag on Mike Gesicki, which was, I believe, $10.9 million. Now, up until when free agency began, a lot of people were speculating that he was going to try to, um, you know, file a grievance because he placed so much in the slot. However, we found out yesterday that he um, signed his tender. He signed his tag. And so Mike Kosicki will be playing for the Miami Dolphins for the 2022 season for $10.9 million, which in my opinion, that's a perfect price for him, uh, especially this year to where, you know, we don't know how he's going to play on this team in this offense, especially since he's not the best blocker. So the fact that you can get Mike Kosicki, who's a great target for Tua, for $10.9 million this year is a really good steal. And then we will see, you know, next year how it goes. If, if, if he's good or not, we can either release him or extend him based off his production in this new offense. So that was a big move that not a lot of people talked about. It kind of flew under the radar. But Mike Kosicki did sign his tag and he did not file a grievance. Next up, this is how we started free agency. And this was a really important move for us to make, in my opinion. We extended Emmanuel Ogba to a four-year, $65 million contract, uh, which on average, you you look at it, it's about $16.25 million per year. I believe the way the contract was broken down, this year it's only about a $7 million cap hit. And then next year, I believe it's like an $18 million cap hit. So this year, it's not a huge investment in Emmanuel Ogba. And... Personally, I feel like Emmanuel Ogba is probably worth between 13 and 15 million. You know, I wasn't really wanting the Dolphins to go over 15 million. However, there is something to be said about being able to keep 
good players on your team. And this is something that I talked about on last or, or two free agency podcasts ago on free agency podcast part one. I talked about how the good teams are able to keep their good players. It's that simple. The good teams are able to figure out who are my good players, who are my not good players, and they're able to filter. They're able to sign and extend the good ones and release the not so good ones. And I feel like Emmanuel Ogba was one of the best players on the Miami Dolphins last year. He doesn't necessarily put up these big numbers with sacks, but he's great at applying pressure. He's great at batting down passes, which is a specialty of his. But more importantly, a huge importance to having Emmanuel Ogba is it now allows pressure to be taken off Jalen Phillips to where he can still develop and not be required to be that number one guy yet. He can still develop next year, work on his, you know, pass rushing abilities. I hope they don't drop him back in coverage as much as they were at the beginning of last year. But if you bring back Emmanuel Ogba, that then just makes him better, Jalen Phillips better, because he's no longer being required to be that number one guy and get double teamed all the time. So it automatically makes him better and also just keeping continuity, right? Like, How many times have we seen good players on the Dolphins do really well here and then we let them go to other teams because we don't re-sign them for whatever reason it may be? So yes, Jerome Baker, or Jerome Baker, my mind's already thinking ahead to what I'm about to say. Yes, Emmanuel Ogbo was overpaid, but when you look at Jerome Baker, who also was overpaid and got $13 million, if you're telling me who I think we should keep, it, it would be someone like Emmanuel Ogbo. And if Jerome Baker should be allowed to get $13 million a year, then I don't really have a big problem with keeping Agba for $16.25, especially since this year it's only a $7 million cap hit. Next up, the Dolphins went out and they got a running back. Okay, They got Chase Edmonds. They put him under con- contract for two years, $12 million, which is $6 million per year. And Chase Edmonds is... I believe I want to say he's 25 years old. Let me let me check this. I want to say Chase Edmonds is 25 years old. Um, my Wi-Fi is being so slow today. I really apologize. Yeah, he's 25 years old. Um, he's been in the NFL for four years. He came from the Arizona Cardinals. And personally, I'm not a huge fan of this signing. It's not that I don't think Chase Edmonds is good. It's just for what he's going to give you, or at least what I think he's going to give you, you probably just could have kept like Philip Lindsay or Duke Johnson for like half as much money. Chase Edmonds, in my opinion, is probably worth about half what he got. I mean, it is free agency, so you're going to overpay. But here's the thing about Chase Edmonds. Number one, you know he's going to be on a team that's going to prioritize the running game. So you're going to get use out of that $6 million. And on top of that, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, Mike McDaniel, got to see this guy all the time because he played for the Cardinals. And so, you know, as soon as we signed him, that was like my instant reaction is, you know, I didn't really know much about Chase Edmonds, but I can promise you Mike McDaniel does. And if he's going against this guy two times a year and he's supposed to be um, really involved in the run game and he prioritizes the run game and he feels that this guy's worth $6 million, Maybe we should just let it play out and see what he can do. Again, he's only 25. He's not super old. Um, He's got actually some pretty good quickness to him. He's not like the fastest guy in the world, but he's got some good quickness to him. He fits the scheme really well. 
And he's also a very uh, good threat, not just running the football, but also catching the football. So Chase Edmonds, to me, I wasn't like super thrilled. It didn't really move the needle for me that much. However, you know, when you have a coach who prioritizes the run game and he feels like this guy who he saw twice a year, you know, for the last three or four years, if he thought he was good enough, then, hey, let's just give it a chance. Okay. next up, we went out and signed Cedric Wilson. Cedric Wilson's a 26 year old wide receiver from the Dallas Cowboys. We gave him a three year, 21 million dollar deal, which is about seven million per year. And this signing to me was probably out of all the signings from day one, it was my favorite. And the reason for that is when people look at Cedric Wilson, the number one thing they're going to do is say, you know, we, we got a number three, number four receiver. Look, when you're behind Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb, chances are you're going to be (laughs) the number four wide receiver. Okay, because any of the wide receivers on our team would have been the number three or number four wide receiver behind those guys, aside from Jalen Waddell. So Cedric Wilson coming to this team, if I'm being completely honest with you, he's an upgrade over anything we have on the roster, aside from Jalen Waddell. I don't think that's even a question. He's He doesn't get injured a lot. He doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on his tires because he's always been a fourth uh, or wide receiver four. And he's a guy that's going to fit beautifully into the slot role in this offense to where he's a physical blocker. He's great after the catch. He can make guys miss. He can separate. And I love the thinking with Mike McDaniel of this guy can not only run with the football. He's not only a good route runner. He can separate again, which is important in this offense. But also, I'm curious to see how they're going to use him because he also plays quarterback. So he can be used in those trick play scenarios, but I really do think that this is a really good pickup. You're getting him for $7 million a year. That's not a lot of money at all, especially considering, uh, who was it? Um, someone just went out. I, I, what's his name? I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, oh. He's from the Arizona Cardinals. He just got like $21 million or something. What's his name? Christian Kirk. Is it, isn't it Christian Kirk? Yeah. Christian Kirk just got like between 18 and up to $21 million per year from the Jacksonville Jaguars. So yeah, you know, $7 million a year for Cedric Wilson Jr. I'm on board with it. And I probably, in my opinion, I think this was the best signing we made on day one because you're getting a guy that is instantly going to probably be a starter on this offense for sure. He's got good speed. He has good separation. He's great after the catch. And you can use him in a lot of different ways to where now Waddle can become that Y receiver, you know, and you can use him in that type of role rather than just slot. It does make me wonder, like, I have no idea now. Albert Wilson, I'm, I'm sure, is gone. Uh, but like Lynn Bowden Jr., I'm wondering what's going to happen there because he's also a slot. Maybe he'll just be a backup, which I can understand. But you're looking at Cedric Wilson, Devontae Parker and Jalen Waddle as your wide receivers. They might go out and get another. Um, They did extend Preston Williams for one year up to $1.9 million. Personally, I would have rather seen that money go towards Matt Collins, but that's just me. I'm not really sure why Preston Williams is still on the team. But then throughout the day, they made two more big moves. They got um, uh, Teddy Bridgewater as the backup quarterback. 
Teddy's going to be one year, $6.5 million for a backup. He is an instant improvement <laughs> over um, Jacoby Prissett, mainly because Teddy Bridgewater has started in the NFL. He's played a lot of games in the NFL. He's won consistently in the NFL. And yes, he's not an amazing quarterback, but that's why he's a backup. He is a perfect guy for this system to where he's not going to steal attention from your starter. He's going to be very valuable to Tua as far as giving him wisdom and advice in his experience. And also, he's a guy that, you know, if Tua gets injured down the line, you know he can come in and you know he's a quality backup. I think he's probably one of the best backups in the NFL right now. Uh, and luckily, he's on our team. So I think, yeah, you're paying one year, $6 million for the best backup in the NFL. I'm completely fine with that. Then we went out and signed Kion Crossan. I'm not sure if that's how you say his name. He's a special teams guy from the Giants. Three years, $10.5 million. That's about like $3.5 million a year. Um, I, I, I'm, I tend to believe that that is going to eliminate Clayton Fedulum, which thank God, cause there's not really a need for him. However, I hope that it doesn't eliminate the need for Matt Collins because Matt Collins is one of the best gunners in the NFL. And he's also a phenomenal backup wide receiver. So I'm hoping that because of this, that doesn't mean we don't re-sign Matt Collins because I do think he is valuable. Then I'm pretty sure that was it for yesterday. Those were like the only main moves yesterday. Then today it's been a pretty quiet day. We made one bigger move, but today, as I talked about, we signed um, Preston Williams to a one year up to $1.9 million deal. I'm assuming a lot of that's going to be based off injuries. We went out and re-signed Alandon Roberts to a one year, I think 3.25 or $3.5 million deal. That came as a little bit of a shock to me, but I'm thinking it's because they don't want to spend a lot of money on free agents like Bobby Wagner. However, I know, um, who was it from Jacksonville? There's a guy from Miles Jack from Jacksonville is available. And I would absolutely love, I would absolutely love for that to be a direction that the Dolphins go in. However, I'm thinking that maybe they're trying to keep a Landon Roberts keep that linebacker unit together and then draft someone in the first or second round that they can then mold to, to eventually be the starter. So we kept Preston Williams. We kept Landon Roberts. And then the biggest move from today was that the Dolphins went out and signed guard from the Dallas Cowboys, Connor Williams. And Connor Williams was signed to a very... Um, small deal actually it was only two years 14 million dollars an average of seven million per year and this is probably at least right now the best move the Dolphins have made why because you actually addressed offensive line thank god we're going to get it into you know the offensive line in a little bit but you actually addressed the offensive line you got a guy who's still young. He's only eight months older than Liam Meikenberg. He's younger than Robert Hunt. He's younger than Michael Dieter. Obviously, he's younger than Jesse Davis. So he's still really young. He still has a lot of room for growth. But on top of that, he was second in fewest pressures last year in the NFL. He was top nine, top 10 in basically every other statistical category except run blocking where he was top 12. So like this is a guy that is top 30% of the NFL. 
right? He's top 12 in everything he does. And the only concern with him was that last year he had, I believe, 11 penalties. But it was completely an anomaly. Because if you look at the three years before that, I believe he had like two penalties, five penalties, and three penalties. So up until last year, he only had 10 penalties total. And last year, he got like 11 just last year. So I think that's a big reason why they only signed him to a two-year, $14 million contract. Only one of those years is guaranteed, so they could completely move off him after this year if they wanted. But here's the thing with Connor Williams and why I'm psyched about it. Number one, again, I really think there is a lot of potential there because he's still young. He's instantly the best offensive lineman on your team. I don't even think that's debatable. But like, here's the thing and why I'm not worried about the penalties. Because in years past, if the Dolphins drafted someone who maybe has an area of their game they need to fix, I didn't trust the coaching staff to fix it. If Connor Williams' only issue are is the one year of penalties that he had last year, your entire offensive coaching staff coached or was involved in the offensive line in the past. Now, that might not be true. It might not be everyone. But a majority of the Dolphins' offensive coaching staff has coached or been involved with the offensive line in the past. If they're not able to fix his penalty issue, then you have much bigger problems than paying $7.5 million for Connor Williams. Okay? And that's why I'm psyched about this move because, like, I really feel like the coaches we have in place are going to get the most out of these guys. And so if you get a guy like Connor Williams, who already is really good, if the only issue is the penalties, I really feel like that's something that can be cleaned up. Where you look at someone like Matt Skura, Matt Skura was on our team. He had a snapping issue. We got rid of him. And then he went on to have a really good year. I believe it was with, why do I want to say it was with the Giants? But he went on to have like a really good year, actually. So, yeah, I'm not worried about Connor Williams having penalties because I believe it can be cleaned up, especially when you've put so many guys in place on your coaching staff who can help players like him. Um, But yeah, Connor Williams is instantly the best player on our offensive line, and I don't really think it's close. Um, Now, here's the issue, though, okay? because those are all the moves that we've made so far. I really, to be quite honest with you, as much as I'm like not really upset with any moves the Dolphins have made, I've kind of really been underwhelmed, to be completely honest, with all the moves the Dolphins have made. And I don't mean like every move has been underwhelming. What I mean is when I look at the Dolphins free agency in totality so far, I'm actually pretty underwhelmed. And the reason for that is because you had top two, top three cap space in the NFL heading into free agency. And I understand that there's guys like Teron Armstead that are still out there for your offensive line. But there's also a lot of guys that like a Lake and Tomlinson where I'm not really sure what happened there, why you couldn't sign him. There's guys like Lyle Collins out there who, you know, according to reason um, and his Patreon and the show inside the NFL, apparently the Dolphins have offered for Lyle Collins. So have the Bengals, but no team has given the Cowboys what they want. And so he's most likely to hit um, free agency. They're most likely going to cut him. But like, I really hope that you go out and get a guy like Lyle Collins. And then also the Browns shockingly release their center, who's basically like, 
don't know. He's like like a staple in the NFLPA community. He's been a staple for the Browns. They released their center, J.C. Treader. And like my mind is thinking I would much rather pay J.C. Treader and Lyle Collins. I would even trade like a third or a second for Lyle Collins. I'm serious. I would go out and get those two guys way before I would go out and pay like 22 million is the number I've heard for Teron Armstead, like a four year, $90 million deal. I would much rather get those two guys than Teron Armstead, because guess what? If I go out and get him and then I get Lyle Collins, if I get, um, uh, JC Treader and then I get Lyle Collins, then you basically have fixed every single position on your line except left tackle because you would need a left tackle. You would have Connor Williams at left guard, JC Treader at center, Robert Hunt at right guard, and Lyle Collins at right tackle. Then at left tackle, you could, if you wanted, just go balls to the wall and trade for someone like Laramie Tunsil, or you could go out and trade up in the draft and get a left tackle that you were interested in. But point is, if I'm looking at this Dolphins offensive line and I'm thinking, where do I want the majority of our focus to be? It has to be from center over to the right. It has to be the right side of the line because that's to his blind side. Okay. And so even though left tackle might not be fixed, right. And, and you would have an issue there, whether it would be Austin Jackson or you go draft a guy, which I would hope I would much rather if I'm using my money, I'd much rather go out and get a center and a right tackle than pay $22 million for a guy in Teron Armstead who is amazing when healthy, but he's injury prone as hell. And on top of it, the rumor out there right now is that he's waiting to hear a decision on Deshaun Watson. If Watson goes to the Saints, he's staying. If he doesn't go to the Saints, then he's leaving. So like, I don't want to be someone's second option, right? I'm not trying to like... You know, obviously I'm I'm engaged, but like if I were single, I'm not trying to be with a girl who's like waiting to hear on her, you know, ex-boyfriend or is waiting to hear on another guy. No, <laughs> like that that's kind of messed up. So like I, I, I don't really I'm not really as in on Teron Armstead as everyone else. I would be super excited if we added him just because I know how good he is. It's just like the fact that you have JC Treader out there who's a top center in the NFL. Ryan Jensen went back to Tampa Bay because Tom Brady's back. Like, of course, of course, Tom Brady's still screwing us over. So Ryan Jensen's no longer there. Go get JC Treader. Do what you need to get Lyle Collins and literally fix every position on your offensive line except left tackle to where, hey, worst case scenario, if you put Austin Jackson back at left tackle, I'm not saying I want that. I don't. But hey, if that's the worst thing that happens, I would much I feel a lot more comfortable of the left tackle being the unsolved issue and putting a guy like Austin Jackson out there with better coaching and better players around him than like pay Teron Armstead to be injured, not have a center figured out, and you still don't have a right tackle. Okay? So like that's just my personal opinion. You can disagree with it and that's completely fine. But me personally, where I'm hoping that the Dolphins really focus their attention on like today and tomorrow is their offensive line. Like that's really the only issue they need to fix. They did a good job at bringing people back. 
Ogba, Gasicki, Preston Williams, I didn't want him back, but he's back. Alandon Roberts, I didn't expect him to be back, but he's back. They did a good job at getting guys like Cedric Wilson, um, Chase Edmonds, Connor Williams on the line. They got a great backup quarterback, but you really need to focus on the offensive line now because I don't really see a great solution for offensive line at 29 in the draft. So if you can go out and you can get Lyle Collins and you can go out and you can get a center like J.C. Treader, you now have fixed your offensive line other than left tackle. And guess what? Worst case scenario, if Austin Jackson's there, he would be the only poor offensive lineman you have. And at least it's Tua's side that he can see. It's not his blind side. But I still think that leaves you flexibility to where, hey, if I need to trade up in the first round to go get a guy that I want at left tackle, I can go do that, right? Um, But I really hope that's the area that we go at the next day or two in free agency. Um, You know, I'm not really sure when you're going to hear on left tackle because Teron Armstead is waiting on Deshaun Watson to make a decision. Um, But yeah, that's just the that's the direction right now I would move in. I wouldn't go in the direction of Teron Armstead because, again, for twenty two million dollars, I'll go out trade for. Lyle Collins for $10 million and give J.C. Treader 12 And for $22 million, I'll get two guys who aren't injury-prone, who I feel very confident about, and it fixes two issues on my offensive line, one of them being the most important position of right tackle, which is your quarterback's blindside. Okay. Now, as far as money, because I can already imagine some of you are like, hey, Anthony, we only have $15 million in cap space. That number is just like there. To be honest with you, if I could make my best guess, my best educated guess, I would assume Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer are trying to hold on to as many people as they can before cutting. Okay. So I think they're trying to say or see, Hey, how many people did we get in free agency? How much money did we spend? Because I don't think that they just want to get rid of a bunch of people. I think they're trying to be strategic with who they get rid of. Um, But the Dolphins could easily create $20 million in cap space by cutting people like Eric Rowe, Adam Butler, um, Seathan Carter, Clayton Fedulum. I'm trying to think of other guys that we, Alan Hearns, uh, you know, there's, there's player Jesse Davis. Like there's a bunch of players we could cut and save like $20 million. And then on top of that, you can save another 19 million by restructuring Byron Jones and extending slash restructuring Xavier Howard's contract. So like the Dolphins could easily go from 15 to 50 million if they wanted to. So I'm not really worried about, I don't think the Dolphins right now are like, hey, we don't have a lot of money to work with. I think they are completely fine with money. I think they're just thinking about who they want and who they can realistically get. And then you'll see them start cutting people once they've gotten everyone they need. But it's smart. I mean, why cut a bunch of people before you know who you were able to get and who you weren't able to get, you know? But that's just my personal opinion. I don't think the Dolphins are worried about money. I don't think you should be worried that the Dolphins only have like $15 million in cap. They could easily create another thirty-five by cutting people and restructuring. So they really could easily be at 50 if they wanted to, which gives them about $40 million to work with. That's plenty to go out and get you know, two offensive linemen and another wide receiver or running back if they wanted. 
And that's really, again, that's where I would focus my attention is are, are, are those areas, mainly right tackle and center. But we'll see. As I said, guys, right now, I'm not really too enthusiastic about our free agency just because I told you guys, I let you know clearly my expectations for this free agency period. I want offensive line. I want it. I want it. I want it. I don't want to go into the draft not having a clear identity and fix to our offensive line. And so until we can fix and at least add one or two more guys to it, like a J.C. Treader or a Lyle Collins, then I can't sit here and realistically be like, this has been phenomenal. You know, even though these guys could all end up being amazing, the reality is not all of them are going to pan out. And so I really want us to go out and just solidify the offensive line because that then gives you freedom in the draft to go with the N'Kobe Dean at 29, to trade up for a Tyler Linderbaum if you weren't able to get a center. You know, to get another wide receiver or a running back. It gives you more freedom. So we shall see. I'll be making another podcast episode probably at the end of the week. Because by Thursday, Friday, we'll know, you know, we'll know who the Dolphins signed and who they didn't in totality. So yeah, Friday, I'll probably make another podcast and I'll do like a reaction to all of the signings that we made as a whole. And kind of look at the team from, you know, a bird's eye view and say, hey, this is what I liked. This is what I don't like. This is what we need to fix in the draft. And we'll go from there. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to keep an eye out on all the moves that are going to be happening within the next three days on Twitter. I'll see you next time here on the Finn Sports Football Podcast. Fins up. Miami has the Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami.